1: I'm Madison Malone-Kircher.
3: And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And today, Madison is gonna explain something about musical theater to me. Okay, it is not just about musical
1: theater, it is about the culture. West Side Story star Rachel Zegler is now going to be presenting at the Oscars on Sunday. Yay! Yay! I mean, I
3: I love a, a bit of good news for a fellow Rachel, but. Who is Rachel Zegler (laughs) and why, why do I care?
1: Okay, you care because she's only going after the internet got angry at the Disney Corporation.
3: Mm, No, you're going to have to explain more.
1: (laughs) It would be my honor. So over the weekend, Rachel Zegler, after being asked by a fan about the Oscars, posted on Instagram saying, quote, IDK, y'all, I have tried, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Crying emoticon. I will root for West Side Story from my couch and be proud of the work we so tirelessly did three years ago. I hope some last minute miracle occurs and I can celebrate our film in person. But hey, that's how it goes sometimes, I guess. Thanks for all the shock and outrage. I'm disappointed, too, but that's okay. So proud of our movie, Heart Emoji.
3: So what you're telling me is that at some point in the recent past, she was not invited to the Oscars, even though she is in West Side Story, which is nominated for Oscars multiple.
1: That would also be correct, which sparked uh, before you say it, you would also be correct. An immense amount of online outrage, as people across the world could not believe that Disney didn't have a plan to send the star of their Oscar-nominated film to the Academy Awards. Okay,
3: so she's in West Side Story, but should I know
1: anything else about her? Other than the fact that you share a name? Yes. So... For those of you who maybe don't know who Rachel Zegler is, uh, it's not necessarily a surprise. West Side Story was actually her first film role, Uh, but she has had a really excellent YouTube presence for many, many years, even though her channel, I think now has something like just over 200,000 followers. So not a huge, huge outlet. Uh, If I were gonna recommend you watch one video, and by recommend, I mean, Rachel, I'm gonna make you listen to uh, this cover of Shallow from A Star Is Born that she posted that went low-key viral. She's in a bathroom, naturally.
3: Do you need more.
0: It
3: that was a great rendition i still love that song lady gaga did what needed to be done
1: as did rachel because she basically got cast via twitter when steven spielberg went online with a casting call for West Side Story. And Rachel responded with videos of herself performing two songs from West Side Story because how convenient. She had just performed in a production as Maria at the Bergen County Performing Arts Center. Shout out to New Jersey.
3: Okay, everything you're telling me so far just makes me feel like she should have been invited to the Oscars.
1: Yeah, it definitely seemed bizarre that Disney decided it didn't want to send one of their youngest and... And most importantly, most online stars to such a big awards night. I think that's the bit. Rachel Hampton, if you and I were in charge of the Oscars, she would have been our first invite. This is a Gen Z young person. She's 20 years old. She's hilarious on Twitter. She's great on Instagram. The content would have been immaculate and delightful. And no one watches the Oscars. They need all the help they can get. This makes me feel
3: like there's a conspiracy involved. And you know I love a conspiracy. The only other thing I know about this woman besides the fact that we share a name, a legacy of Rachel's, is that she's going to be in the new live-action Snow White, correct?
1: That is correct. And actually, Rachel, that might just be her conspiracy theory because I think somebody at Disney was doing the math and not completely irrationally decided that it was more effective to keep Rachel busy in London shooting the new Snow White rather than shut down production so she could fly to the Academy Awards for a film that, look, I liked it. It's probably not going to win. Hello, Coda, how you doing? And also, there is the risk that, you know, if she gets sick, production can't start back up in a speedy way.
3: I mean, that cost-benefit analysis seems not to have worked out for them based on the fact that she is now going to the Oscars. Yes,
1: Yes, she is. As it should be. And now she gets to open an envelope, maybe. We don't actually know what she's presenting yet. She gets to do something on TV. So it all works out unless you're on the production staff of the new live-action Snow White film. Godspeed. Speaking actually of envelopes, though, that's exactly what we're going to do today on the show. That's right. It's
3: time for another mailbag episode. Oh, Rachel, I believe you mean red receipts. I believe I don't, because I mean read receipts.
1: I want to see the receipts.
3: <gasps> After the break, we'll be back to answer all of your burning question about big boat stuck. Too Fast, Too Furious, Knitting.com Drama, Peeling Eggs, and more.
2: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This
3: is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we're back on a boat, a boat that is stuck again.
1: <laughs> so our first question comes from an anonymous listener who writes, and this is poetry. There's another boat stuck? Question mark, question mark, question mark. It is. It's
3: stuck. But this time, this time, it's not freezing global trade like the Ever Given did last year. Um, but this year, the Ever Forward, a ship owned by the same company, as you can tell by the Ever Names, is having its own problems.
1: If you haven't yet, we highly recommend you check out our colleague Christina Cattarucci's piece entitled... <clears throat> Big boat, big stuck again. Where Christina uh, very astutely explains what is going on and how this situation differs from what happened with the Ever Given. Uh, because if you're like me and your knowledge of big boats is um, extremely limited, like limited to the Staten Island Ferry, let's say, uh, it's it's useful to have someone explain.
3: The ever forward is stuck off the coast of the Chesapeake Bay. After, um, I mean, clearly making some wrong moves trying to navigate the channel. I'm picturing it trying to parallel park, which seems very hard to do with a big boat. <laughs> but it turns out that this boat is actually more stuck than the last one. And that there's not actually an easy solution for getting it out. Because basically, because of like some, some with like mud and water, whatever. The boat's basically on land at this point.
1: <laughs> okay, the most important question. Is there fanfic about Big Stuck Boat 2, Too Stuck, Too Big? Unfortunately, there is not.
3: There is mm. only a single result on Archive of Our Own about the ever-forward. And I'm honestly disappointed in the internet. Like, what is going on here? We had so many options last time when we wanted to, to, to read fanfic about the ever-given. And yet here we are with no choices.
1: <laughs> I think that's all we have for the stuck boat update du jour. But if any other boats get stuck, we will be sure to let you know, and I will uh, try to understand how large they are in advance of telling you. <laughs> Next up, we've got a question from Blakey Larson. Hi, IcyMI. What is the deal with the egg videos on TikTok? I find myself in such suspense like why am i so enthralled i'm just gasping and i i can't look away why do i like this so much why am i gasping please please help me am i alone here i don't think so
3: blakey you are not alone also can i just say that was an incredible voice memo and i wish for
1: all of our listeners to have the enthusiasm that blakey does Thank you. I want that for us. Rachel, I have to admit something. As far as I'm concerned, Blakey is alone. I have no idea what they are talking about.
3: <gasps> Madison, you haven't seen this yet? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Okay, so about, I would say, like, two weeks ago, I started getting served these weird TikTok lives in my FYP. And to be clear, every single TikTok live I have ever been served has been absolutely deranged. I have never gotten the normal one before. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in TikTok Live. But what Blakey is talking about is a TikTok Live trend where people attempt to peel raw
1: eggs. Sorry, I know what the word raw means, but just to confirm, like an egg Mm -hmm. straight out the carton from my fridge. Mm -hmm. Yes. Straight from a chicken's butt. Mm -hmm.
3: So basically what they're attempting to do is peel off the shell from the egg membrane without bursting it. And... What's wild is that these videos can draw in about like thousands of viewers at a time because people get really invested in whether or not the egg is going to break because the way I always see it as it comes across my FYP, I have never seen the beginning of an egg peeling video. I've only seen the end. So what you see is a little is is a membrane. Like a mostly peeled membrane, and then a tiny little eggshell hat on the top, and then someone holding a pair of tweezers, and also one of those, you know those kits you get to pop zits on your face? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so one of those little tools, and they're just breaking off teeny tiny little pieces of eggshell, and then lifting it up with their little tool from the acne kit, and it's just riveting because you're so close to the end. You're so close to the egg being almost fully peeled, but it's also where people usually fuck up. That's usually <laughs> when it ends.
1: And so you're just waiting. Right. So what you're saying is it's, in fact, easy to see the end of things and harder to see the beginning of things when it comes to egg peeling videos. Are you making a pun? No, I was trying to make a in reference and it really didn't land.
3: No, I, I I, just knew from the cadence of your voice that you were trying to make a pun and I, I <laughs> oh, couldn't tell we've what it was. we got to spend less
1: time together. That's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's a pun here and I'm just not getting it. <laughs> so um, aside from being fascinating to watch in a sort of rubber bands around a watermelon kind of way, mm-hmm. why are people peeling eggs?
3: So apparently this is actually something that dentists and surgeons have been doing
1: for years to hone their fine motor skills. Oh, so so egg peeling TikTok lives are like let's say the cousin of that time they did surgery on a grape? Yes.
0: It, i get it yes. now this all makes not even light a cousin bulb. perhaps
3: a sister perhaps a brother closer sibling than cousin it's basically light the same bulb. thing yes but it also scratches the the grape surgery itch in your brain that
1: people get from <laughs> pimple popping or like chiropractic videos but without like the body horror is this new have i just missed this entirely because i've been like busy the last week
3: It's not super new. People have been peeling eggs on live since at least December of 2021. But the thing is, somebody somewhere, as in multiple somebody somewhere, because it's not just one person peeling an egg on live, it's multiple people peeling eggs on live. Once they figured out an engagement hack, it's probably going to stick around for quite some time because people like me
1: just can't look away. I believe you mean an egg-gagement hack. I didn't mean that. I think you did. I mean, this makes sense. We've we've talked about viral egg content many times on this show. Egg is bigger than before.
3: Oh, egg is bigger than before. No, you're right. I completely forgot. How did we forget about the Chicago egg hunters?
1: Oh yeah. Wow, we really do like egg content on this show. Okay. This is just a call out. If you have an egg thing you need explained, get at us. Apparently we're experts. Experts! Experts! All right, let's go on. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, we cracked that wide open.
3: I think you're going to do the rest of this episode
1: by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next question comes from at Renee Yoxen on Twitter, who wrote, paging at ICYMIpod and then shared this just cursed tweet, which reads, so there's this mom on Instagram at Batumi underscore Mama, who has twenty two babies under the age of two, all born to surrogates. And what I find most surprising about my reaction to this is that I find it really unsettling to see that many babies together. What if they organize? What then?
3: Twenty two, as in the year I, that we are currently in. I don't know in? about you. Twenty twenty two. Yeah. That feels illegal. That feels (laughs) illegal. That feels like you should not be able to have that many children. Like, 22? We have to have a line somewhere. Where do you even (laughs) keep
1: them? What happens if they all poop at once? Rachel, I do want to note that this woman is married to a Turkish millionaire who has nine other children and was reportedly found guilty and sentenced to life in prison for his involvement in a murder-for-hire plot and also one of those 22 children she did, in fact, give birth to.
3: So what you're telling me is that there is something allegedly illegal happening here.
1: (laughs) I mean, look, if I'm one of those
3: 22 kids, I'd probably hire a hitman, too.
1: Not to kill my parents, to take out some of my siblings. That's a a large inheritance.
3: I mean, yeah, no matter how much of a millionaire you are, splitting among 31, I can do math, 31 children, that's a lot. Also, what if they have grandkids? How do you get a family photo at that point? You have to get, like, a drone. Anyway... (laughs) Importantly, organizing is not illegal. So it's time to unionize, babies. Time time to mobilize for that inheritance.
1: (laughs) Solidarity forever, babies. And on that note, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep answering your questions about drama over at knitting.com and a few viral internet sounds. If you want to support the journalism we do, then you should really consider subscribing to Slate+. Plus. Seriously, this show would not be possible without support. Slate+, Plus helps us keep ICYMI going. It also means you get no ads on any Slate podcasts, bonus segments and episodes of shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, Mom and Dad are Fighting, The Waves, Big Mood, Little Mood, and unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means access to every article and advice column Slate has to offer, and you'll never hit the Dreaded paywall. Visit slate.com slash Icymi plus to subscribe. That's slate.com slash Icymi plus. All the cool kids are doing it.
3: And we're back. Our next question is from Marcus Farkas on Twitter. Marcus Farkas asks, Would love for y'all to dive into the knitting.com drama. I'm on the periphery of the knitting and crafts community, so I don't really have the full story. I too. I'm on the periphery of the knitting, crafting community drama. But Jesus, is there always something going on over there?
1: <laughs> I would say if you're on the periphery, I'm just nowhere to be seen when it comes to crafting drama. So I'm going to need you to uh, untangle this skein for me. Well, all
3: my knowledge comes from a, um, another podcast I was on called Normal Gossip, where the host, Kelsey McKinney, told me about this knitting drama that had me riveted. Ten edits and recommend. But what's going on with knitting.com... Is that in February of 2022, this year, Ecom Crew founders Michael Jackness and David Bryant purchased the domain name Knitting.com for $80,000, which is a lot of money for a domain. Yeah. Before we get too far, what is Ecom Crew? So it's a blog and a podcast that's basically for e-commerce store owners. According to their Twitter bio, they give real e-commerce advice. So it's basically like if you took our podcast, made it about e-commerce, and then made both of us white men. Great, great, great. Got it. Okay, so they bought Mm -hmm. knitting.com. For, again, $80,000, which I feel I must say is a lot for a domain. And they published this business plan online explaining how they planned on making $1 million in the first year of the site, which I guess makes the $80,000 look like chump change. What made them think they could do that? Basically, they thought they could have success in in the knitting market after making a lot of money off an adult coloring book business they created (laughs) in 2016. I don't know if you could hear the exhaustion in my voice, (laughs) but the phrase adult coloring book makes me wanna cry.
1: They were a real thing, though. A lot of money. I will I will give the e-com crew, crew that. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But turns out that the
3: knitting market is much tougher to break in than the adult coloring book it's economy. It's very ti-
1: tightly woven.
3: So basically, these men were kind of taking their lead from Amazon, which does a lot of knitting-related sales. So it seems
1: to me like... We've got two characters entering the fray. Is that a knitting pun? I'm sorry if it is. Uh, Two characters entering the fray who uh, sort of don't totally understand the knitting community. The T. That's with a K-N. I I regret answering this question.
3: Yeah, so basically this was a company or a domain name bought by two men who, like, walked by the yarn section of a Joann's one time, um, which... (laughs) I recently found out is a yarn section that most very serious knitters wouldn't take seriously because most yarn at big box stores like that is actually acrylic, which is made from plastic, which is bad for the environment. And also importantly, melts, (laughs) which I I don't think you want in
1: a sweater. (laughs) Tell me you have a knitting friend without telling me you have a knitting friend.
3: Shout out to Danielle Hewitt. I love you. Anyway, the the tricky thing about knitting is there's just like a lot more variables involved, including the types of yarn you're offering and also knitters have quite a robust community online
1: right i know nothing about knitting but i in my mind like romance landia is at the top of like do not fuck with but <laughs> close up there are knitters yes yes
3: anyway there are plenty of crafting subreddits like our knitting which has 405,000 members. And again, the thing about Reddit that I feel we have to say every single time is that that only includes people who actually log in. I use Reddit and I have never once logged in. So that subreddit has so many more users who look at it. And then, of course, there's sidestockrallery.com which has... message boards and functions as like a community database and commerce site for knitters who want to like share their projects connect with other knitters and then there's instagram so basically what i'm saying is knitting.com is trying to invent something that already exists not just from an amazon perspective but from a knitting perspective oh is that Oh, when they're racist
1: oh no it wasn't all <laughs> <laughs> this seems inevitable but say more Yeah,
3: so on a podcast they released along with this domain announcement, they were talking about why getting into the knitting space is such a good idea because currently, and this is in their language, I feel I must say, Chinese competitors currently dominate on Amazon, but.
2: Creating the content and the imagery and the videos for a knitting brand. As somebody based in China, is a little bit trickier because, as we all know, you can't really have Chinese models in your videos. The, you know, there's a bias towards, you know, having Western models in videos and having those Western models in content.
1: Cool. Have they apologized?
3: Um, They said they're married to Chinese women.
1: Mm, no, the, uh, the good old Paul Thomas Anderson, but my mother-in-law's Asian, so it's fine. Got it. Mm-hmm. it it's just, it's kind of a clusterfuck. Scientifically,
3: from top to bottom. If you like listen to this podcast episode about why they decided to buy knitting.com, they're very honest about the fact that research drove them to knitting rather than Mm -hmm. any sort of actual interest in it. They just chose it because the numbers worked
2: out. We want to pick a niche that's wide enough that, okay, we can potentially get this to $10 million plus in a relatively short amount of time. But at the same time, it's not this overly broad niche like running shoes or hmm. eyeglasses or something along those lines.
3: But because the thing about numbers is there's always people behind them. And in this case, the people are not happy. So would you say that their their great plan is starting to unravel? Oh, God. Unfortunately, yes, that is a great way to describe it. There's actually more to get into, and I would recommend this great piece from Input Magazine called, and you're going to fucking love this title, A Gripping Yarn Inside the Knitting.com Drama, if you'd like to learn more. Despite the pun in the title, it's a really great piece.
1: Next up, we've got a question from at GetBackUpAgain1 on Twitter, who asks, where did the I-do-not-have-time-for-this-I-do-not-have-time-for-you come from? And uh, favorite way you've seen it? Madison, take it away. (laughs) I do not have time for this. I do not have time for you. My father will wire you the money. Oh, yes. Uh, We can absolutely tell you where this came from. It is a reference to a very specific TikTok sound going around right now. Here's what it actually sounds like.
0: I do not have time for this. I do not have time for you.
1: So that is uh, Julia Garner (laughs) as Anna Delvey in the Netflix series Inventing Anna. So this is one of those sounds that
3: feels ubiquitous, but in all actuality is very uh, FYP driven because I actually haven't seen this. And when I looked up this sound, it's been used in about 10,000 videos, which is a lot to be clear, but not quite megavi.
1: At any rate, get up back again, one. Now you have your answer. Anna Delvey, go forth and tell people off with strange European accent abandon. And our last question is from uh, listener Rachel.
3: So Rachel wants to know, why am I hearing, okay, I like it, Picasso, so often on my FYP? And this is a phenomenal question. (laughs) I like it, Picasso. So this song comes from TikTok user at atizrifa and was posted on January 12th of this year. What's this? It's an
2: art project.
3: Okay, I like it, Picasso. Yeah, that way. All right, so it's kind of hard to describe what's happening in this video. But basically, someone, presumably it's Rifa, is walking by two people. One of them dressed in a red wig and what I it's impossible to describe as anything other than a spiral purple dress, which I understand does not help. But picture kind of like... Miss Frizzle, but make it avant-garde fashion. There you go. And then the car is also covered in what looks like aluminum foil, And so, it's Rifa walks by, asks, basically, what's going on? And these two people are very confused, but are just like, it's an art project? And he says, okay, I like it, Picasso. And just (laughs) the inflection of the voice is so perfect. (laughs) And I'm not the only one who thinks so, because this original video has been viewed 45.7 million times, and the audio has been used in 203,000 videos. I got this to the point that when I was um, on my Parisian vacation, I almost paid 15 euros to go to the Picasso Museum to film a video of me walking around taking shots and just saying in the background, I like it, Picasso. That
1: would have been good for your brand. It would have been, but I didn't feel like spending the money. And I've already been the Picasso Museum multiple times. Wow, another brag. All right. Uh, I think that's all the bragging we have time for. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. I like it, Picasso.
3: Alright, that is the show. We'll be back in your feet on Saturday, so please subscribe. It's the best way to never miss an episode. It's the best way to never miss a call-out for questions to be answered on an episode of Read Receipts, like today. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify, and continue to tell your friends about us. Spread the ICYMI gospel. Become an ICYMI evangelizer. You can also follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions to be answered on an episode, like What's Happening with I Like It, Picasso? You can also always email us at ICYMI at Slate.com.
1: ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. We're edited by Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. See you online or at the Picasso Museum. If you want to support the journalism we do, then you should subsidiary conscribing to Slate Plus. Subsidiary conscribing at the subsidiary
3: of (laughs) Slate.com. God damn it.